What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. Holy smokes, guys. Albert Pujols is on another planet right now, and he came through for the Cardinals in a major way on Monday night, providing the only run scored in a 1-0 win for St. Louis over the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. Some incredible things going on right now for the Cardinals. This is one of the greatest stretches of Cardinals baseball we've seen in some time. I know they won 17 games in a row last season. I I was there for it. But with everything going on right now, this is almost more remarkable than even that. 17 in a row may never happen again. Cardinals are up to eight in a row right now. But with all the extra aspects of this, with what Albert Pujols is doing, with what Jordan Montgomery is doing, Jordan Montgomery just threw a one-hit Maddox on Monday night at Wrigley Field. Complete game, 99 pitches, and he gave up one hit. Retired the last 19 batters he faced. He faced the minimum plus one. Jordan Montgomery, who wasn't a Cardinal three weeks ago. Well, he was three weeks ago. Three weeks and a few days ago, this guy was not on the team. And now, not only is he on the team, but he is performing as one of the team's top starting pitchers. Four starts for Jordan Montgomery, and... He's been a winner in each and every one of them for St. Louis. So we'll talk about his night and not just that, but his Cardinals career to date and what the numbers look like across his four starts with St. Louis. Some pretty remarkable stuff. And he was just in command of everything that he did on Monday. So we'll get into him and give him the praise that he deserves in tonight's podcast. We'll also talk Albert Pujols. It's not a lot else to get to besides those two guys. But it's going to take up a lot of our time because I have done some digging on Albert Pujols and I was prompted into this about 11 p.m. on Monday night by a Twitter account, Mr. Willie. And I said, oh, I don't think I'll have time to research this, but it's a great question. And then I proceeded to spend the next hour or so researching it. I'm sure there was a better way to find this, but what Mr. Willie was wondering is whether this is the biggest heater that Albert Pujols has ever been on in his career. Is this stretch of baseball we're seeing right now from Albert Pujols the best he's ever had in a remarkable 22-year Major League Baseball career? And I thought, well, there's got to be no way. I mean, he's Albert Pujols. He's hit 693 career home runs. Surely he's had stretches like this. But... I poured through the numbers. I went through every single game log to search for streaks. And I'll explain the outline of the criteria that I use for this exercise and what I came up with. And it's pretty astounding. It is some astounding stuff. So I'm going to go through all of that on today's episode of B-Shape Daily. I want to kind of get right to it because even though, like I said, there's really only two players that I'm going to even mention in passing. I have a couple other notes that I want to make. A couple notes on the Cardinals' defense from Monday night. Some good, some bad. But then other than that, we're we're going to spend a lot of time on Albert tonight. It's all about number 5 and number 48, Jordan Montgomery, and the game that he pitched. So we're going to get right into it. But before we jump into the content of the show, I want to remind you real quick that you can subscribe to B-Shape Daily on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Would love to have you on board 
locked and loaded with episodes directly sent to your phone, to your device, pretty much every morning between now and the end of the postseason. The Cardinals elimination from the playoffs. We're going to be all over it. Uh, That might even include after my baby is born, which is within the next couple of weeks. Probably going to take a couple days off, but you'll be aware of it. I'll put information on the podcast feed so you'll know uh, what to expect on that front. But subscribe to the show, guys. This is going to be a lot of fun heading down the stretch of the season, especially the way the Cardinals are playing right now. This could be that sort of devil magic. It's in the air, right? Like you feel it that this could be a special October, and you don't want to miss any of it as we break it all down right here on B-Shafe Daily. And if you appreciate the show, one big way you can help me out is by supporting the show. And there's a couple of ways to do that. At bshafer12 on Twitter, there's a money tab next to the follow button. You can support the show via Cash App or Venmo if you decide to do so. And if you want to hop on board as a monthly patron, a monthly subscription, go to patreon.com slash bshafer12. And there you'll be able to subscribe as a patron and you'll get some bonus content in addition to just the regular B-Shape Daily Show. You'll get some extra Cardinals blog posts on occasion. We'll do some podcasts as well. Some listener mailbag is kind of the thought process for that, but got to get a few more patrons to really get it off the ground before I, I spend some time on that. But we'd love to have you on board over there at patreon.com slash bshafer12. But enough of that. Let's go ahead and get into discussing this Cardinals win. They're eighth in a row. It comes over the Chicago Cubs on Monday night, one to nothing, the final score, as Jordan Montgomery was fantastic for the St. Louis Cardinals. Nine innings, 99 pitches. He gives up one hit in the ballgame, the first complete game of his major league career, and maybe the first nine-inning complete game of Jordan Montgomery's life. I know on the broadcast they had mentioned he had one in the minors, but it was of the seven-inning variety. Just incredible stuff from Jordan Montgomery. How much of a perfect fit was this guy when John Mozeliak went out and got him at the trade deadline? I know people love Harrison Bader. I saw a picture of Bader with his uh, short hair now, of course, with the Yankees. Got to meet the dress code in that regard. I saw that pop across my Twitter feed today. I know people loved Harrison Bader. But this was just such a smart trade for the Cardinals and John Mozeliak to make. Jordan Montgomery probably has never had a defense, like the defense he gets to pitch in front of with the Cardinals now that he's here. And his sinker is a weapon. It's what allows him to be so efficient and mow through an opposing lineup and get through nine innings on just 99 pitches. Throws the Maddox in so doing. It's just so perfect. It lines up so perfectly that you feel like it shouldn't be this easy. Like when the trade deadline went down and they picked up Jordan Montgomery, I was thinking, well, that's great. The Cardinals needed this guy. They needed a pitcher. I didn't know a bunch about him. He spent his entire career in the American League. Obviously heard of him, but wasn't super familiar with his game. But then you start to dig into the numbers a little bit, and you're like, wait a minute. This guy throws a sinker, but he's got some decent strikeout stuff that he's showcased in the past, so he's... He can miss bats as well when he needs to. But you're going to put him in front of the Cardinals defense that has just been lights out. I mean, you've got gold glovers or gold glove candidates at pretty much everywhere on the diamond that you're going to want to look. Yeah, Jordan Montgomery on paper, that felt like an obvious fit. Like this guy was going to fit in and do really well. And then you get a chance to to see him and hear from him. And his demeanor is just very much business. 
And it's almost like when he's in front of the camera, he's uncomfortable to be there because all the guy wants to do is be on a pitcher's mound. It's not that he's he's rude or anything like that. He's a, real, a very respectful guy. But it's just he, he doesn't have a whole lot to say. He lets his actions do the talking. And on the pitcher's mound, that is exactly what Jordan Montgomery has done since joining the St. Louis Cardinals. 25 and two-thirds innings pitched, an ERA of 0.35. He's given up one run in four starts as a Cardinal, and he's won each and every one of those games. Not only has, has the team won all four of his starts, he has earned the decision, has earned the win in each of them. Thank you, Brian Cashman. That is just incredible. And he's doing it, like I said, sort of in a variety of ways. He's talked a lot about the glove side heater. The glove side fastball has been a pitch that Yadier Molina Cardinals catchers have called a lot more since he got here. He said, last two starts at home in the Cardinals clubhouse after the game, he said, yeah, the glove side heater is a pitch that's really been working for me. I got here and they said, uh, I, I I need to throw it more. So we've been throwing it more. And it's been effective. The sinker has been effective. It freezes guys. Seven strikeouts in this game on Monday. ERA down to 3.08 for the season. Oh, by the way, it didn't walk anybody. I mentioned he faced one beyond the minimum. This is this is a cardinal pitcher through and through. He's under team control for next year. It's going to be his final year of arbitration eligibility. Don't be surprised if the Cardinals ink this guy to an extension in, in Jupiter, Florida in February as well. Don't be surprised if we're down there in front of uh, a Cardinal logo and some palm trees talking about a Jordan Montgomery extension. I think they could sign both this guy and Quintana, and, and that would be totally sensible. I know Quintana's last outing wasn't a good one. Those are going to happen. That doesn't change my opinion about him at all. But Jordan Montgomery, there has been no hiccups, no nothing with this guy. The only thing you could say is that first start in St. Louis, he wasn't quite acclimated to the heat just yet because he had heat cramps and had to leave the game after five, you know, five scoreless innings. But that's the only thing you could even point to. Everything else has been absolutely sterling for Jordan Montgomery. I mean, his ERA is down to 3.08 for the season. It's been a 0.35 over the last four games. I don't know how you'd order it, but he's probably my number three heading into the postseason. If it's a wild card series, like it's, going to be unless the Cardinals win out and the Mets lose a bunch of games because they're still pretty far behind New York for that second seed in the National League. Although maybe they catch the Dodgers. The Dodgers could lose the rest of their game. They beat the Brewers, or I should say the Brewers beat the Dodgers on Monday night. Didn't help the Cardinals out in that regard, but St. Louis is still up by five games in the National League Central. But when the Cardinals go into that best two out of three wild card series, against the third wild card team from the NL. Right now, I believe it's the Phillies, but the the Brewers are right there as well. That's going to line up Wainwright, Michaelis, and I believe Jordan Montgomery. And as of right now, that's where I would be. Jack Flaherty could perhaps have something to say about that, but I, Jordan Montgomery's a guy I want pitching in the playoffs. He's got the demeanor for it, man. And I, we've seen Jack Flaherty do well in the playoffs. He, he threw the game of his life right after... Bob Gibson passed away there in 2020 against the San Diego Padres. But I we, we haven't seen a lot from Flaherty since then. And what we're seeing right now from Jordan Montgomery has just been ridiculous. And hopefully he's able to keep this going throughout the remainder of August and then into September and October as well. But 
right now, man, this was a gem that he threw tonight. I mentioned the one hit that he gave up, and I'll get into some of the defensive stuff, I think, before we really just hunker down to, to talk Albert Pujols because there were a few things I wanted to touch on. First of all, positive on the defensive side, Arenado did it again. The damn bare hand play behind the mound. He covers so much ground. This throw was a strike that he threw to Monday's first baseman, Albert Pujols. It wasn't like the one he threw to Goldsmith that Goldie had to dig out of the dirt, which was still an incredible play. That one, he was even more rushed. This one, he was able to set his feet a little bit better, make a good throw, but he's incredible. He is just incredible. Very similar play. It happens twice in the same week. Amazing what Nolan Arenado does defensively. Tommy Evan, great play at second base in the eighth inning. Ranging to his right, spinning and throwing, just a really good play. And it probably feels like I rag on Tommy Edmond sometimes just based on the fact that I'm bringing up the offensive numbers and his OPS is below expectation. To me, several elements of his offensive game have been below expectation this season. But what I wanted to make sure I did tonight is just articulate that I, I view this guy as a really good ball player. Like, he's just a really good baseball player. I think he gets the most out of what he has. And I like those kind of guys. Those are the guys you want on your team. I would like to see him make more consistent offensive production happen, but Tommy Edmonds is a really good baseball player. And if he's on the Cardinals five years from now, I, I think that would be just wonderful. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he should be your leadoff hitter every day or that he should be your leadoff hitter five years from now. But as a part of the team, I'm cool with that. Now, the OPS 678, the batting average 251, not a lot of power, not a lot of on base. Those things are still true. He was 0 for tonight with a couple of strikeouts uh, back in the leadoff spot. All that being said, I like Tommy Evans as a player. It's a difficult thing when you've got a second baseman like Nolan Gorman slugging and doing things offensively that are great and knowing that he's not going to play against lefties, so maybe that's the platoon advantage that just works. But for Edmund, uh, not hitting lefties great right now. I'm not hitting great this season regardless, really, but it's just interesting with that second base position. You you put it mentally in terms of, well, that's a position that do you want really great defense because Edmund brings that, or do you value offensively what a guy like Nolan Gorman could bring to the table at that position? It would be a positional advantage in terms of offensively because a lot of times second baseman, you might not have 30 home run hitters playing second base. It's a rarity. If you have that from Nolan Gorman in his future, not this year, but in, in the future, and still get average to adequate to decent to solid to good defensive production, depending on how how much he's able to elevate his game throughout his career, that would be significant. But right now, he's just playing against right-handed pitching. He's done a great job offensively against right-handed pitching. Been fine against lefties as well. He's not getting those chances, though. But Tommy Edmond, left or right, he's got the same identical OPS, 677 versus 678 this season. So you want to get more out of that, but I did want to give Tommy Edmond some credit because I do. I think he's a really good player, maybe just miscast a little bit right now on this team because of the way he's producing. I don't think it justifies uh, opportunities that lead off very often. He was in there tonight. We'll see what his role sort of is going forward, but I, I want to give him credit. I don't want to be always just ragging on a guy that I actually really, really like as a player. We'll see if he's able to get more productivity offensively. That, I think, will be the key to him maintaining the role that he's had for the Cardinals moving forward. 
Let's talk about the one defensive play that I did not like tonight from the Cardinals. And I was glad when I looked at the box score and, and it confirmed for me that the error on this play did not go to Tyler O'Neill in left field, but it went to Paul DeYoung because it should have, and I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know what he did. I don't understand it. The one hit that was given up by Jordan Montgomery, it was a double in the third inning to Christopher Morrell, good rookie player for Chicago. And Tyler O'Neill throws the ball back into the infield, and I cannot articulate why he didn't catch it. All I'm left with was thinking that it's like it's a con- concentration issue. Um, the ball was sort of maybe tailing away from him a little bit. O'Neill, it wasn't a perfect throw, but it, I mean, he got the entire glove on it, several feet off the ground, and the ball just goes right off of Paul DeYoung's glove. And I didn't like the body language either from him after that, kind of chasing after it haphazardly. I don't know what that was from Paul DeYoung, but I didn't like it. I just wanted to make note of it. Because the one thing you can't afford to do when you're a guy who's prone to 0 for 20s is slump in the field. He was 0 for 3 tonight with a strikeout. He wasn't alone. Newt Barr had that same line. O'Neill had that same line. But, man, I mean, even Goldie was 0 for 4 with two Ks tonight. But that from Paul DeYoung, I, I want to know what people think about that. Because, I again, it's a great night. Cardinals win one nothing. There's not a whole lot to be upset about. But that was like, are you kidding me with that? That was just really weird to see from Paul DeYoung. I don't know if he lost in the lights. I don't have any idea what happened. I'll, I'll do some digging. I obviously am not in Chicago. Haven't really traveled this season to road games. Uh, been spending a lot of the summer, any free time I have, getting ready for the baby to come, which uh, could be any week now. But, man, I'll try to dig in and see if that was something that was discussed at all post game, because that was bizarre to me. There's that play in the third inning. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. The one hit Montgomery gave up today, so it's probably not... Hard to remember. It's the only time they they got a base runner in the entire game. But I thought that was just bizarre. Didn't end up costing the Cardinals. It turned a double into a de facto triple. Morell was credited with a double and then advanced to third on the air. But it was a missed catch error. That's how it went down in the scorebook by Paul DeYoung. His fifth error of the season. Didn't like seeing that. Not one bit. If, he's, if you're going to justify his place in the lineup and say we like that he can occasionally give you some damage offensively and we'll take the lulls in his offense because we know that it's going to be counteracted by damaging swings and and big-time doubles and home runs and things like that. And we also really like his defense. That's great, but the defensive part has to be able to hold up as well. And tonight, that was one of the worst worst instances I've seen in a while. Maybe there's an explanation for it, but I I wasn't fond of it just watching it uh, and watching the replay of it as well. All right, let's do it. Let's go ahead and get into Albert Pujols. Because the tear that he has been on is just tremendous. Two for four tonight. Hit a single off the wall and left. He hits the ball so hard. He doesn't run very fast. It's a double most of the time. But he hit it so hard. It's just, it's hard for him to get around, you know? And I I think after on first base, he was a little bit kind of like, ah, man, almost got it. But is that like an, oh, I almost got it over the wall? Or is that like a, man, I... I just hit a ball off of a, a brick wall that has some leaves on it, and that's supposed to keep it from from uh, caroming so so hard back toward the infield. I can't even get past first base. I think that was sort of the reaction, maybe. Can't expect a home run on every at-bat, Albert, can you? But uh, he had two of the three hardest-hit balls in the game tonight. Albert Pujols did. And uh, that's that's become sort of par for the course for him recently. He is absolutely stinging the baseball. The single that he hit was 106.1 off the bat. That was the hardest hit ball of the game. Not a surprise 
watching it on replay because the ball caroms right back to the left fielder. They make a good throw, relay, get it back in. Nothing uh, Nothing he really could have done. It was smart to stay at first base, unfortunately. The uh, ground ball into a double play, he had two of them, one in the fourth and then one later in the game, top of the ninth. But uh, the first one that he hit, 103.3 off the bat. And his home run was a measly 99.7 off the bat. Not even barreled. What a joke. His single was barreled, though, back in the second inning. But Albert Pools has been on a ridiculous stretch. And I mentioned Mr. Willie asking, is this the biggest heater he's been on in his career? And I thought, bro, it's impossible. This is a Hall of Fame career, a first ballot. Damn well better be a unanimous Hall of Famer on the first ballot. Surely this guy has had better stretches than this. Not because it's not been amazing to watch him recently, but he's he's still a part-time player, you know? And then I got to digging into it, and the numbers are remarkable. I'm going to share them with you. First, I'm going to set the scene for exactly what I did and how I found this information. But I basically went through baseball reference game logs, and I, I tried to use StatMuse to sort of guide me but ultimately, it just it turned out that it was easiest, I felt, to make sure I didn't miss anything, which I may have. I, it took me about an hour, but I, I may have missed something. But what I did find was pretty crazy, so I'm going to get into that. First, I want to give Albert credit for what he's done and talk about it a little bit. Seven home runs in 12 days. Number 693 happens today. And it's seven home runs in 12, in 12 days, but it's been seven homers in 10 games, which is going to be relevant here in a minute when I get into the the data that I poured through. He's stinging the ball right now, has tied Barry Bonds for an interesting statistic with the home run on Monday. It was 693 for his career, but he ties Barry Bonds with 449 home runs off of different pitchers. That's 449 different pitchers that he's homered off of in his career, which is kind of a fun stat to think about. Like he's got 693 total, so a couple hundred of those, 100, 250 or so of those home runs have been duplicates. Multiple times victimized by Albert Pujols if you're a big league pitcher. So 449 different pitchers, which is an amazing stat. You consider that Jeff Bagwell and Vladimir Guerrero Sr. both hit 449 home runs in their entire careers. Both are Hall of Famers. And Albert has done that against... 449 different pitchers. Hopefully, one of his next few home runs, which I think there's going to be more coming the rest of this season. Hopefully, that comes against a brand new pitcher for him, and that'll make it 450. He will overtake Barry Bonds. He tied him tonight, homering off of 449 different pitchers. The next one will be the record all to his lonesome. But that got me curious, too, about, okay, who are the pitchers who have been most frequently victimized by Albert Pujols? I set this on roto wire to minimum five at bats. He has a 3,400 OPS, 3,400 OPS against Jacob Turner, three home runs and four hits and five at bats. Uh, poor Jacob Turner on that one. But then I, what I wanted to know is who has been a victim of the home run ball more than anybody else when it comes to Albert Pujols. And the answer to that question is Ryan Dempster should not be much of a surprise. Former Cub, He faced him in 60 at-bats, homered against him eight different times, a career OPS of 1247 against Ryan Dempster. 
He got Adalis Perez pretty good in 20 at-bats, five homers with a 22-24 OPS. An OPS above 2,000 is silly, but it is only 20 at-bats. He was uh, really good against Randy Johnson in his career. Five homers and 17 at-bats, an OPS of 1,997. thought that was kind of interesting. Dylan Bundy, active pitcher, he had four home runs against him, a 2,083 OPS. Several guys on this list that he hit five home runs against. Chris Capuano, Ian Snell, Derek Holland, Carl Zambrano, obviously. Uh, 973 OPS against him in 71 at-bats. 926 OPS against Aaron Harang, 82 at-bats, five homers. So kind of fun. Albert Pujols, and it's crazy too, the guys that he faced the most often, he had great numbers against. Roy Oswalt, he faced more than anybody else, 87 at-bats against him. Four homers, 884 OPS, which that 884 OPS for Albert is not what he's done for his career. His career OPS, I think, is still probably better than that, isn't it? It's got to be. He had so many good years. Yeah, 918 is the career OPS for Albert. Although I did see this from uh, Jeremy Frank tonight on Twitter that in his age 42 season with what he's done this year, Albert has raised his career weighted runs created plus. It's gone up from prior to the beginning of the season as of tonight, which is, it blows my mind. And the, and the reason for that is I think weighted runs created plus, it relates as well to what the rest of the league is doing. And offense is down league wide. So even though he's not quite to a 918 OPS, he's actually relative to the rest of the league, improving his career weighted run, runs created plus. So that's kind of cool as well. So just some fun stats, but yeah. It's crazy. There's like Felix Hernandez. There's a good name. 73 at bats. He only had a 635 OPS against King Felix, which is kind of crazy that he faced him that much. No, I guess it's in the latter half of his career, obviously, uh, with Seattle is where Felix had always pitched. And when Albert was with the Angels, okay, that makes sense. But I get the feeling that if they had squared off more often in their primes, Albert might have gotten the better of him. But like that's the only guy of the top six or seven pitchers that he's faced the most in his career. Hisashi Iwakuma is another guy, but that's another AL West pitcher, if I'm not mistaken. All these other guys that he faced in the NL Central for years, he just victimized them. Ben Sheets with the Brewers. Wandy Rodriguez was kind of middle of the road, 759 OPS. So there's an example. Just really fun to dig back into some of this stuff and, and think about the numbers that Albert had against some of these guys back in the day when he was with the Cardinals the first time. But now that he's with them the second time, he is doing something that I would argue has never happened in his career before. Here's the criteria. Let's go ahead and get into the research that I put together as we wrap up the show here on uh, Tuesday morning now as it approaches 1 a.m. Here are the criteria. 10-game sample size. I'm looking for 10 consecutive games played by Albert Pujols. Not team games, but 10 games in a row in which he participated. Didn't have to start all 10 of those games, but just had to be involved in them. And the way I conducted my search was, did Albert Pujols in his entire career have a 10-game stretch where he homered at least seven times? Because that is what he has accomplished in this stretch right now since August 10th and concluding on August 22nd, the Monday game that was played in which he defeated the Cubs single-handedly, won nothing. 
Well, he had some help from Montgomery as well. But offensively, he was the offense. Dylan Carlson had a nice night, one for two with two walks. Arenado had a base hit and a walk, so he reached base twice. Nobody else for the Cardinals was on base besides those three guys. And Albert provided the one run, the one RBI, the one homer. It was all him. And that was game number 10 in which Albert has played of a 10-game stretch where he has done some pretty remarkable things. I mentioned the seven homers. And so I thought, has there been a stretch of his career where he's done that previously? And if so, let me go a little bit deeper and determine based on OPS, RBIs, all that good stuff, whether there has been a more impactful, a better stretch for Albert Pujols' career across a 10-game sample size. Here's what I came up with. Six other instances of a 10-game sample in which Albert has hit seven or more home runs in his entire career. It's happened six times. Now, it's possible I missed one, but I'm going to go through the remainder of this podcast assuming that my research was correct. It was really just eyeballing and going, oh, that looks like quite a few home runs in a short period of time. Let's do the 10-game sample and, and arbitrary endpoints find the best sample we can within that. So this was very rudimentary. I, Like I said on StatMuse, I put in a lot of different questions. What was Albert Pujols' most home runs in a month? But then if he had a stretch where it went from August 27th to September 4th or whatever one year, that wouldn't necessarily help me because he might have just had a really good stretch there but didn't do a whole lot in the rest of the month. And so I thought, oh, I can't just rely upon that. Most home runs in a week, I went through and, and double-checked and found a couple instances by doing it that way. But by the end of this, I think I poured through every year of his career in which he hit at least six home runs, or I should say at least seven home runs, which did not include 2020 because that year he had just six. So I, I did not go through those game logs. Every other year, I just scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and tried to come up with the best 10 game stretches that I could. Like I said, there were six instances where he did it, had at least seven home runs. There were three instances where he got to eight, and eight is where he maxed out in a 10-game stretch. But that's kind of cheating because of the six, excluding this season, there were a couple of times where there was overlap. For instance, the first example I could find from his career was April 10th through April 21st, 2026. Eight homers, 16 RBI, and a 1,758 OPS in 44 plate appearances. But also, the next instance was technically April 15th to April 25th, 2006. So, he had, you know, a good 16-17 game stretch, whatever it was, where the same games were being used for both streaks. But I, I went ahead and included them anyway because I wanted to isolate down, is this the best 10-game stretch of his career? So I, I included even the ones that are, are sort of cheating, but it happened twice. It happened in 06, back in April, both instances, eight home runs. The second instance from the 15th to the 25th, eight homers, 18 RBIs, 1,759 OPS. The other was 1,758 OPS. So not very different there. May 28th to June 7th, 2015 is the other time 
there was some overlap. Because in an 11-game span, he had a home run on both sides of it. So no matter which 10-game sample I took, it was going to be a qualifier for this. So May 28th, and this was with the Angels. I'm not going in chronological order here, but I want to knock out the ones that were basically, you get it twice on the list, but it was really only once. It was the same stretch of play. May 28th to June 7, 2015. Seven homers, 12 RBI. A 13.02 OPS and 42 plate appearances. So much lower on the OPS than the 20.06 instances. And then May 29th to June 9th, 2015, seven homers, 11 RBIs, 1,345 OPS. So that was the, the two double up examples. He did it in 2007 from June 3rd to June 14th, seven homers, 16 RBIs, 1,369 OPS in 45 plate appearances. He also did it in 2009, June 11 to June 21st, eight home runs, 17 RBI, 1,682 on the OPS and 40 plate appearances. I believe that is it. Those six examples happened twice in 06, once in 07, once in 09, and it happened twice in 2015. But again, the examples from 06 and 2015 were really the same stretch, but it went beyond 10 games that he was playing really well, and so there were a couple of 10-game stretches within there that overlapped some of the games. So really, if you isolate that down even further, it's about four other times where he's been this hot in his career in terms of home runs in such a small sample size. There may have been other instances where he didn't homer, but he hit a bunch of doubles and the OPS might have been higher the RBIs might have been higher. He had a 15 RBI week at one point. The highest RBI total from a 10-game set that we have given you here is 18. So there may have been better overall stretches in his career as a hitter, but I wanted to know, based on the home runs, because that's been so amazing about what we've seen, is the seven home runs now in 10 games. That's really what I was after. Here are Albert Pujols' numbers over the past 10 games in 2022. And you tell me whether it's better than the other six examples. I I labeled it that 1759 is the highest OPS so far. And there were three opportunities where he did hit eight home runs instead of seven. And the RBIs, 18 is where he maxed out. Here's where he is in 2022. August 10 to August 22nd, 2022. Seven home runs, 14 runs driven in. And here's the kicker, an OPS of 1,834. Higher than any of the other six examples we came up with in terms of OPS. RBIs, he's he's had other stretches where he's gotten a few more. Home runs, he's had some where he's gotten eight. This is a 10-game stretch of seven homers. But of the stretches of 10 games in which he has homered at least seven times in his career, this is the highest OPS that he's ever had. And he's done this. He's hit the seven home runs across 10 games without starting in all 10 games, without staying in till the end in all 10 games. He was pinch hit for at times. This is what's amazing to me. Of all the other six, I'm going to go down the list, 40 plate appearances, 44. 42, 42, 43, 45 plate appearances to accomplish the seven home run plateau. 
All of those are in the 40s. Albert, over the last 10 games in 2022, has had 33 plate appearances. So far fewer plate appearances by seven fewer than any of the other examples I've come up with. And the OPS is higher than all of the other examples I've come up with. There is a compelling case, Cardinals Nation, to be made that Albert Pujols has just completed the most impressive 10-game stretch of his career as a 42-year-old in 2022. That is what the research has shown me. Again, in terms of home runs, that was the basis for the research. There may have been other 10-game stretches where he had a higher OPS. I've already spent enough time on this, so I'm not going to look for it. But that's pretty incredible to say there have been seven examples in his career where he has hit seven home runs in 10 games. And of the seven, this is the most well-rounded, impressive feat of all of them. It's incredible. That is what Albert Pujols is doing in 2022. It's a shame. I think it was Bob Nightingale. I don't know who else may have been on this that tweeted out that Albert is not reconsidering the retirement. He is going to retire after the season despite the run he's on. But man, is he at the top of his game right now. For the season, Albert Pujols is up to a 277 batting average. His OPS is 881. He's going to get to 900 at this rate. And this is, Albert Pujols hasn't done stuff like this. Not since he was in St. Louis. And what he's done over the past 10 games, perhaps better than any 10-game stretch he had with the Cardinals, he had with the Angels, any of it. That is how incredible Albert Pujols has been in 2022. Like his OPS, I'll go down the line from the Angels. 859, 767, 790, 787, 780, 672, 700, 734, 665. And then the 2021 season was a total of 717 between the Angels and the Dodgers. So his best mark with the Angels was an 859 OPS in 2012. This year with the Cardinals, after Monday night, he's got an 881 OPS. 20-some-odd points higher than what he did in 2012 with the Angels. And higher than every year since. 906 was the OPS in 2011. And he damn well might catch it. That, I mean, it just, it absolutely boggles the mind. We've known of Albert Pujols' greatness in St. Louis for a long, long time. But then a decade happened where you didn't see him up close and personal and you weren't really, like you missed him. You missed seeing him rack up the achievements. But you weren't really that sad about seeing him not vintage Albert Pujols. Like you didn't have to watch it every night as he rolled over into a bunch of double plays and he didn't have the power and the greatness to offset it on a very regular basis. Cardinals fans, you didn't have to see that. But now he's come back in 2022, and that concern that was probably valid for some people, that they said, well, I really love it that Albert's back, but I don't know how I'm going to be able to deal with him being just a a shell of himself. And for a while this season, he wasn't having the greatest year, but at least he was capably contributing against left-handed pitching. He He was doing okay. But with the stretch that he has had recently, Albert has elevated his season to a place that I don't think anybody imagined. He's elevated it to very close to what he did in 2011. 
at least from a ratio perspective. Obviously, fewer at-bats. Obviously, they've protected him against righties as, as well they should. But he is closing in on an OPS of 900 right now at 881. For the last 30 days, Albert has a 1,509 OPS. For the last 30 days, he has been the best hitter in baseball, period, the end. That's the sentence. That's the statement, and it's true. Chadwick Trump has played one game in the last 30 days, and he happened to hit two doubles, which gives him an OPS of 2,000. But that doesn't count. That's one game. Other than that, Albert has the highest OPS in baseball for the past 30 days. He's slugging 1,000. He's hitting 458 with eight homers and 18 RBIs. There are a few guys on the list who have played four games. James Outman, Alejo Lopez, Mark Mathias. None of those guys even with those small samples have surpassed Albert. It's just freaking Chadwick Trump. If that one game hadn't happened, this wouldn't even be a discussion. But he's actually been playing. Albert's actually been playing on a regular basis. He's been the best hitter in baseball. Aaron Judge over the past 30 days, 1176 is the OPS for Judge. He's slugging 714. Albert blows those numbers out of the water for 30 days. Aaron Judge. Paul Goldschmidt, 1171 OPS the past 30 days. That's not 1,500. That's not Albert. That's not slugging 1,000. It's incredible. I mean, the batting average is higher than Paul Goldschmidt, who's hit 353 over the past month, which I understand Paul's playing every day, and so it's harder to hit at that kind of rate. But the fact that Albert Pujols is hitting 458 for a month is just astounding. In 18 games, 48 at-bats. I know it's not a huge sample compared to everyday players, but that's what he's done. He's been the best hitter in baseball. It's crazy. That's what I got, though. That's my research. Let me know what you think of it at bshafer12 on Twitter. Let me know what you think of it in a review. How about this? A review on Apple Podcasts for Shaved Daily. I, it would really be uh, sincerely appreciated to get the reviews up, especially if it's five stars, but I, I have read some of the reviews. There's a few posted where people have talked about what they think of the podcast and uh, whether they recommend it to others, and that really helps the growth of the show as well. So review the podcast. Tell a friend. Appreciate you guys so much for listening. That is going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. We'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.